The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. All right, well, hey, as you're grabbing your seats, let me say welcome to Summit Church as well today. Um, Before we dive in, three quick things just so you're aware that they're coming up tonight, 5 o'clock, if you are one of our Covenant members here We have a covenant member meeting. Uh, The main item of business is the voting in of all six of our elder candidates. Uh, We have introduced them to you over the last month or so. Uh, Their introduction videos are online, summitonline.tv, if you have not got to see those yet. Uh, But if you're a covenant member, be here. This is a big night. It's a big night. It's a a moment where we step in uh, to really a new season, in a season where we have biblical eldership that will shepherd and help guide us. That's something I'm looking forward to, and we've been working on now for a long, long time. So tonight's kind of the culmination. That's a big night, so be here for that. Next Sunday night. I know we're not a church that has a lot of Sunday night stuff, so two weeks in a row, it's like, what are you doing to me? Well, okay, next Sunday night is the first Sunday of the month. We have scheduled our nights of worship to fall on the first Sunday of each month to help you plan for them. That happens to be the first Sunday of the month, so next Sunday night at 5 p.m., we have a night of worship. It's an hour. It's an hour where we come and experience the presence of God, where we sit and are refreshed in Him. Um, It's good, so just plan on that. I know it's two Sundays in a row if you're a covenant member, but it's good. It's good. It's Jesus. So come and be a part of that next week. And then also next Saturday, it's March the 5th, so next Saturday, March the 5th, um, we are partnering with food and shelter in Norman, uh, and Summit is taking the first Saturday of the month to serve the noon meal. We provide it, we cook it, we serve it, we talk. Um, it's just a great opportunity. If, if that's something that stirs in you, hey, I, I want to be a part of that. That sounds great. I would love to do that. Uh, you can go online and find out some more information, but really just next Saturday morning, that's that's our thing. Get there, show up, love, serve, give. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity to do all of that. Let's pray and then dive into John chapter 3. Father, thank you for who you are and your goodness. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your word, and thank you for your church, and just just what we get to come and experience here today is all from you, and that's the good part. So I pray that you prepare hearts and our minds, that we would um, come expectant of you to do something uh, great in our lives today. Um, Just allow your word to unfold before us and to become living and active. Let it um, chisel away at our hearts and let our minds be filled with your word. Um, We ask this, God, because we know that in obedience to your word is where we can most glorify you. Um, And we want you to have all the glory. We want you to do what you need to do here today and just allow us to kind of step out of the way so you can do that. We love you, God, and we thank you um, for this day and for this opportunity. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If Christianity had a theme verse, not saying it does, but if it did, if it had a theme verse, it'd be John 3.16. Okay, John 3.16 is, is the theme verse for Christianity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, and then depending on what decade you may have heard it, his only begotten, his one and only, his main do, like his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have life eternal or everlasting life. Once again, there's Many translations of it, but John 3.16, that's the main bumper sticker. That is the sign in the stands at the football game. If you're wanting to be a gospel witness, John 3.16 is the theme verse. It is the central verse. It is the one that 
even if you don't really know church, even if you've not been around, if Sunday school is something you've never heard, even if that, you probably at least are somewhat familiar with John 3.16. John 3.16 is in our passage today. I've been a Christian more than I have not, okay? More of my life has been spent as a Christian. I went to Bible college. One of the first verses I committed to memory was John 3, 16. But like all verses in Scripture, every verse in Scripture should be read in its context. The verses that are around it, the verses that help explain it, the verses that unpack it. And in John 3, 16, it is found in the context of a conversation, a conversation between Jesus and a religious leader named Nicodemus. And once again, I have, I have been around John 3.16 a long time. I've never actually preached a sermon just on John 3.16, but I've been around the verse a while. And so as I prepare each week to teach, um, I start on Tuesday morning and I just read the passage. I read it over and over and over again until I kind of got a good sense of it. That's just how I start every week. And I was reading John chapter 3, and I was starting in verse 1, and I was reading, and I was like, this is an amazing conversation between Jesus and this guy named Nicodemus, and they're back and forth, and, and I get to verse 16, but I'm not paying attention to the verses, and I was like, whoa, that's familiar, what is this? I'm not saying that the theme verse of Christianity changes when you read it in context, I'm not saying that at all. Not saying that we've been duped into one verse, saying something it doesn't say. Not at all. Here's what I am saying. When you see it in the context where it was originally given, when you see it as part of this beautiful, really, sermon that Jesus is giving to this man under the cover of dark, and you see it in the context, you see that John 3.16 is the first verse of what I'm calling the beautiful yet demanding gospel. It's succinct, it's good, it should be the theme verse for Christianity. Let's not play, it's awesome. Okay, but in context, it really does come alive. Verse 15 sets up verse 16 really well. And verses 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, they unpack it and cause verse 16 to not just be this beautiful, simple, central verse, but to become the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ that is not just beautiful, but also demanding. You need verses 19, 20, and 21 to fully understand verse 16. So that's where we're going today. John 3, 16, like we're there, hallelujah. But the whole, I think, allows us to truly and genuinely understand. And in order to get the whole whole, we got to go back to the last few verses of chapter 2. So we're starting in John chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. And then we'll dive into chapter 3, and eventually we'll get to verse 16, but hopefully we'll have the whole picture by then. John 2, 23, 24. Now while he, that's Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself, for he knew all people. Okay, if you were here last week, Jesus and some of his disciples have walked into the city of Jerusalem for the Passover festival, this week-long celebration, a very high holiday. They walked in, they walked actually into the temple of God where the priests and the Pharisees led and taught and they offered sacrifice. He walks in, Jesus sees what's going on there, goes, that's not cool. And his zeal for his father's house caused him to clear out the temple. 
apparently he walked back out into the streets and people were wondering what this guy's going to do. And then he proceeded to perform several miracles, several huge signs that made a lot of people go, huh, look at this guy. He may be the real deal. We should probably pay attention to this guy. There were lots of people who wanted Jesus, but Jesus knew them all, knew their hearts, and he knew that what they were wanting, he did not come to give. What they were wanting was a conquering king who would come in with an iron scepter, who would kick Rome out of Jerusalem, who would set up a throne, who would rule, who would reign, who would use his miraculous power to make sure that the nation of Israel was established and firm where it should be, God's chosen people. They wanted Jesus to come do that, and when they saw him start to perform those miracles, they go, this could be him. Let's, let's do this. It, this is the beginning. We need to jump on early so we get good seats for the performance. But Jesus did not entrust himself to any of them. Nicodemus, the man that we'll meet here in verse 1 of chapter 3, is one such person. Someone who was blown away by what Jesus did in Jerusalem, wanted to come pledge his allegiance to Jesus so that hopefully he could get to be a piece of this parade that is the miraculous of Jesus Christ. He wanted to be on, he wanted to be on board, so he comes and he wants Jesus to know that, and Jesus is going to respond to him very cryptically, to let him know that what you want from me, I'm not going to give. But what I have to give, if you want it, it'll change your life forever. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's called the Sanhedrin. 72 members of the Sanhedrin, uh, top 72 in the nation. He's one of them. Powerful dude. Highly educated. Well-placed. Status upon status. He comes to Jesus. He came to Jesus at night. John could have just said he came to Jesus. 